Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Brianna Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today is the final session of our 20 questions where we're looking at questions that have been sent in by some of our listeners and giving you a quick answer to those questions. And as I've said before, some of those we will develop into fuller podcasts at a later date. Okay, the next one is in Fuliana shorthand. So it says, power of H2H. Oh, (laughs) I read read this. Let me just tell you, I read this, sent this list through yesterday, and I read it and I thought, she's just trying to throw an acronym in there because I haven't worked with her for a few years and she's going to wait and see if I work out what it is. I tried Googling it and I won't tell you what the answers were. I thought, just looked at the results and thought, no, this is not what she means. So don't try and Google it and see what the answer is. We'll let her tell us. This is about the power of human to human. So you hear about business to business, business to consumer and so on. This actually, I didn't invent that. I would like to take credit, but no, I didn't. One of the partners in a company called The Projects was talking about that. And that is one of their differentiator about how they deal with companies. And it's important to say you are not, your, your client is not the company. Your client is not a project. Your client is a human. Mm -hmm. And within that client base, there's only humans you're dealing with. So it's the power of one-to-one. really powerful because I think we all fall into the habit of thinking about the project in inverted commas as being the task that needs to be done. And certainly we think about organisations being faceless, nameless entity that we have to deal with. Yeah. Yes, so it's good. And you always think the and client, the short yeah. shareholder, the, that's why human to human. So there's certainly power in thinking of all of our activities that way. That's, that's good. I don't think there was an answer. I think that was the learning thing. How can I be self-aware without being arrogant or self-deprecating? She gets a, she gets a message straight away. <laughs> Arrogance. She's looking at the phone. I turned it off. I turned it off. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Well, how... Do you like the question again? No, I know the question. I I think a person that asked me about that, say, look, if I'm self-aware and they say, or you're the subject matter expert in this, or if I say, well, look, I'd like to share this with you because without using that exact words, I'm the subject matter expert, people say, oh, here she goes again. She's being conceited and think she's better on this topic if you says oh look I'm not very good at that they don't see you as humble and wanting to ask someone else's input they see it as well you should know that yeah that's what we got you for yeah (laughs) and and that sort of thing so how how do you maneuver so that and I think it's back to what we were talking about earlier and that is it's how you project yourself Mm -hmm. You can say it, and just instead of saying I'm the subject matter expert, just say, look, let me share a couple of the major experiences on that point. Mm-hmm. We tried this in here and we tried that in there, and this is the two different outcomes we've got, so what I'm suggesting. So you now, by you just relaying your experience, you're sharing the fact that you know something about that topic without being arrogant. And I think if you listen to some of our previous podcasts, you would, now that I identify it, you'll be able to hear when I do this because my approach is always to use certain words. So I will say, I love this particular topic 
or, or one that I know I've used in all these podcasts is my thing is communication. Yes. Because that is the thing that I find most important and I find the words most important. And so I'll say that. It's, it's me being self-aware that these are the things that are important to me. In the way that I say it, it gives the indication that I am a subject matter expert on these things. It's not self-deprecating in any way. And the other way that I will approach it is I will say I'm passionate about such and such. It gives an indication that this is the area where I feel I can contribute to a, a project or a task or an organisation and I'm saying it in a way that is confident of my ability without big noting myself. See, that, that's good on that side, but if you are in a position where you, you feel you can improve, instead of saying, I'm not good with numbers or I'm not good with people, mm. so you're putting yourself down... So I would like to work on this with you mm. and can we have a bit of time to work this yes. on, on that one? Yeah. So A, I'm recognising I need you because you're better at it than mm. me and I learn as I go so I become better and not just say, well, I'm not good with numbers, you do it. Then. So if you want yeah. a little bit more on that, the case study we did on knowledge hoarding will give you a little bit more yeah. of an idea of how we approach that. How to deal with interruptions at work, good and bad. Well, you turn your phone off when you're doing a podcast. <laughs> oh, I did after that, but sorry. It's all right. I do recall that there was an occasion where we actually had a guest and mine rang for some yes. considerable period of time to the point where he said, is that your phone ringing? <laughs> interruptions. Look, I think it's a bit of style as well. I think interruptions can be very good. I like interruptions because sometimes they refocus you. It makes you... Well, somebody will interrupt you and then instead of you just continuing with what you're doing, you're kind of pausing and then revisiting it. Interruptions can be bad if you have your day so loose and the interruptions are constant and you end up doing bits of everything and nothing of... And as Kim said, you use the usual techniques, block time out in your diary, make sure that your your door is, if you have a door open or shut, go to a quiet corner. Most offices have somewhere like you can go to, which is more quiet. You might even have a meeting off-site. You you could use whatever techniques that you, you got, technological enablers, all of those. But also, back to Kim's favourite, Communication. Communicate with people. I, I had a certain style, and when I used to go in early before people are around, that to me was my work, work, work time without interruptions and in the evenings. But most of the day I know the nature of my work, and I did welcome interruptions, I must admit. Mm-hmm. So, again, find your style and communicate it. People respond. I think you have to recognise that there's always going to be interruptions, and, then, and they are interruptions for a reason. They're called that for a reason because they do interrupt the pattern of what you're doing, your thought processes, all of those things. How you approach them and how you recover from them is the important management tool that you need to develop. And we might actually develop that a bit further on one of the other podcasts because I think it, you have, knowing some methods to use will help you to manage that situation. Dealing with group negative atmosphere at work. Okay, this actually came to me directly with a specific, and the specific was things are not travelling too good at the moment at work. The first thing the person said was, 
everybody's unhappy and everybody's thinking of leaving. Everybody, everybody. Yes. I love the specific nature of it. And when I think they caught my facial expression, in which cases, no, really. And then they start going through to tell me that department, this department, whatever. Anyway, of course, my job there was to listen and I did listen. And the person at the end of our discussion suggested I do cover this on a podcast because it is something they faced with. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you don't believe me that it was everybody. And I said, oh, I don't think it's anything to do with me believing it. I think it's for you believing it. Mm-hmm. And I said, it doesn't matter what I think. And at the end of the day, if you convince yourself everybody's unhappy, you'll be looking for examples of everybody's unhappy. Even if you were happy, you become unhappy. I think it's more going to, like with any job, with any responsibility, look for the facts. And first, no, no, the be facts, specific. Be very yeah. specific about be, what is it. What is it? What? How is this unhappiness be, manifesting itself? Yeah. What? And then work back from that. What is the specific thing that is causing this unhappiness? Is it fixable? Is it accessible? All of those things. But it, it's a getting back to being very specific about what it is that's causing it, how it's manifesting itself, and what you can do about it. And that last bit is the, the most important, just as important as all the other bits, and that is what can I do about it? Yeah. Not what they're not doing and they're saying and they, yeah. they, they. is okay, this is the facts, and now I know I can't, I don't have a magic wand, but I can do this, that would help. One of them could be not participate in negative talking. That's at the minimum as that. All right, and we might develop that into a fuller podcast in the, the, the next few weeks. She's bouncing on the chair. She has three <laughs> questions to go. How to stay relevant. I think that's actually slightly covered with other podcasts as well, which is about self-development mm-hmm. and learning and not just thinking, oh, I'm a specialist in this area, I've got 40 years work experience, blah, blah, blah. Never, ever, ever you stop learning because things change, things get better, things get more technological. There's new ideas. How to stay relevant is how to stay happy, in other words, in your own experience and own learning. So never stop learning. Learn from others, learn from researching yourself, from reading, from listening to TED Talks or whatever you like to learn and mix and match it. And remember, you're not always learning from someone who is more senior or older. I learn a lot from younger. (laughs) Yeah, the young chick over here. No, seriously, I learn a lot from people who are just school, finishing school, going to uni. They have a different perspective. They have different... And I find that very enriching in a sense is I never thought about that. Then I start thinking about it and then I'm learning and growing. So, yes, it's up to you. Relevance is an interesting word. I think relevant in this context is almost negative because you're talking about being relevant in today. And I would like to see you thinking about future-proofing your position, your organisation, your team and think about what might be important in five years' time, what technology is coming down the track, what changes to the industry, what things that you haven't addressed or or haven't influenced your industry yet that might well do so. And, and I think that's part of staying relevant today is knowing or thinking about what's going to happen down the track in the future. Volunteering without becoming overloaded or getting used. 
There's some people that will do their job and then they'll put their hand up. So we need another person to participate in this and they put their hand up. And I encourage that, but you've got to be sensible about are you doing that because now you're in a habit of saying I'm 20 projects on top of my own job and I love it and a bit of a show off there to yourself and others. Be mindful not to let that happen to you. The other thing is people sometimes think, well, Obviously, sometimes they read it negatively. You might be working 20 hours a day, but they think she can't be have too much on, so mm. give her some more. And there's other people that literally would use you. Fuliana never says no, so I'll just keep asking and asking and asking. So I think what you've got to do, you're in charge of yourself at the end of the day. Mm. You know how much you work hard, and you know that if you want to volunteer and help others, other teams, other areas, or whatever that is, You've got to keep it within a reasonable workload so that the quality of what you're giving is of the standard that you want and not just counting volume instead of quality. Okay, so I will confess that I am one of these people. I put up my hand, I'll say yes, I'll do it, I'll find time, I'll make time, I'll do whatever. What I've introduced now is a management system for me. And so I have a... a a categorization of tasks so there is the category that is these are my responsibilities I have to do these then there's a category that is I will learn if I I participate in this particular activity or this task or this team and so I will take on a lower percentage of those tasks and and, and it's all based on a hundred percent of my time so the, the things I have to do are 60 percent the things where I'll learn are 20 percent and then I have another 20% that is the, the flux area where I have to really think about, do I have something to contribute that no one else can contribute? And so I have a responsibility to volunteer for this task. Is there the opportunity for me to learn that I can't identify as yet? So some intangible that might come out of that. And they're the ones that, that generally drop off the perch. If I can't identify either that I can contribute or that I will learn, from that task, then it, it goes into the no, I can't do it. And I have had to develop it as part of that a way of saying no because I found it always very difficult to say no, to turn people down because I always thought, well, there must be something that I can do to help. They need help. I, I should be able to help. And I should is not good enough. I oh, know, it is the last one. How do you stay positive? She drinks. <laughs> Water. I, yeah, eat. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Staying positive, I think firstly is acknowledging your feelings is important. I used that term before and somebody said explain it. And that was, I think you can be sad but not unhappy. And I think that's important. Uh, I'm sad about something. But it doesn't mean I'm happy, I'm miserable about it. I'm sad because it makes me feel sad for whatever reason. I think once you acknowledge that, then you work with that and you say, well, now, okay, that happened. Now, what can I see that is positive out of that? And I'm not talking about just being a silly optimist, as some people would refer to positive people. I'm saying is that truly look for the positiveness in something. You know, that can go from anything to going for a job that you really, really had your heart set on it and you didn't get it. And then you find out that was the best thing that ever happened. Mm. And maybe not, but you might. And therefore you say to yourself, okay, why didn't I get it? And now that I didn't get it, 
what other opportunities should I look at? What shall I learn from that ex example? And that's about the job. And you might just think, well, I want to buy a house. And I was sure. And that everything seemed to indicate I was by far the best bidder and I'm going to get it. And it didn't. And that house meant a lot to me. And it wasn't just about the brick and mortar. It was the location. It was emotional. It was whatever, whatever. All right, so how do you stay positive? Well, put it this way. The way I look at it, I think to myself, I can't stay negative about it because if I did, I won't find my next house. <laughs> I'm going to be so miserable worrying about this and oh, nothing will stand up close to that job or that house. And then I'd be in a negative frame of mind. So being staying negative is not an option because it only leads me to the wrong direction. But staying positive and looking for what I can, again, learn from there, salvage from there and move on. Part of my answer is going to go back to this being in state, the, the thing that I talked about earlier. I don't believe that really consciously we make a decision in the morning to say, I am going to be miserable all day. <laughs> no. I think we let ourselves fall into a pattern of thinking about something that makes us feel a bit less positive. And so we hold on to that because we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to react. We're scared of changing, of moving away from that because that's a reaction that we know, that's a feeling that we know, so we're not going to move to something that might be a little bit more challenging, a little bit more different. So it, it's about, again, changing state. But it's also about reframing, about looking at situations and thinking, about them differently you know I have gone through just in the last couple of weeks a life event it had the possibility of making me very unhappy and very depressed and I'm sad and I'll be sad for a long time but I'm not unhappy because there's a whole lot of positive things that I can remember about this person that I can bring into conversation that helps others in dealing with this event that's occurred so it is about the way you are thinking and you've got to think about your thinking. You can't be lazy about your thinking. You've really got to focus on how you think about situations because you're the one that's in control of those situations. I think there is another topic that seems to follow on really good from here, which is about switching in and out of work. It's just what you were saying. Somebody asked me about how to focus at work and then how you know I'm not at work now mm -hmm. and I've got to look and behave and that completely differently. You can spend an hour talking about this at least. But I was specifically, in talking to this person, I've got an example I want to use, which is a tangible trick, if you like, thing you do to remind yourself. It's talking to a person who works a nurse in emergency. Nurses on high alert, of course. They've got to be able to assess somebody coming in through the rating system about going in immediately to see a doctor or whatever. This person got to the point where she's working so hard and she's so dedicated, or he, I should say, he's so de dedicated that he didn't switch off. So on the way home, if he's in a car, He's looking out if when he slows down, he sees something, he's immediately into assessing a triage situation. On the train, somebody's breathing differently and all of that. And once they know that isn't, I didn't really need to give them any answers. And I says, well, they found a way for them. 
and the way was a very 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 simple way and that is you know how nurses wear that watch sorry yeah. that is like pinned yeah. that person said I tried so many things and then I realized once I don't have that if I put that in my bag it meant I finished for yeah. the day yeah. I'm not yeah. gonna lose my humanity and compassion if I see Things yeah. need help, Will, but I'm not on high alert. Yeah. The minute I pin that on my waist or on wherever, mm. he pins it on his shirt, arm, I know that I am. I'm fully focused. No matter what's happening in my life, it's gone. Mm. I'm focused on people's health here and now. Mm. So, again, find something that will help you switch on because let's say, what, what if you, this is in a nursing, you could be in the police, you could be in um, ambulance, yeah. so you could be a bus driver, you could be in decision-making, corporate world. Find whatever works for you that will help you know, I'm finished work now, I behave differently, I'm at work now, I behave differently. For me, it's always been a geographic thing because I've always travelled long distances for wherever I've been working. And so I have a, a, a point in the journey, which I've predetermined before I take the journey which will be when I get to that point I can think about all the things that are immediate to me from when I leave home but once I reach that point it's focus on where I'm going and what I'm doing and same on the way back I'll think about it and review it and do maybe some voice notes on on the outcomes up to a, a geographic point and then after that point I think about where I'm heading now and what I'm doing now okay now we might say that we have come to the end of our 20 questions. I thank the people who have sent in those questions. Some of them, as you know, we will develop into case studies or to longer podcasts. If you've got questions, please send them in to us and we'll do this sort of session probably once every six months so we cover some of the things that come across that we can't immediately think about a case study for or you haven't seen a case study for us. For now, I'm Kim Bailey. She's Pugana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Mm-hmm.